A man was sent from God. He was not the light, but he came as a witness to bear witness to the light so that everyone might believe. This was the message of the Baptist. Make a straight path for the Lord to travel. Every high place, every high place will be brought low. Every rough place will be made smooth. Every crooked place will be made straight. Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Prepare the way. The king is coming. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I tell you, I tell you, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse out the barn. He will separate the wheat from the chaff. The chaff shall go into everlasting fire, but the wheat he will save in the barn. I tell you, there's one coming. There's one coming. He's greater than I. He was preferred before me. I tell you the truth. He is greater than I. I'm not even worthy to lose his sandals. I tell you the truth the axe is being laid to the root of the tree that which does not bear fruit will be cast and thrown into the fire I am a voice in the wilderness crying prepare the way of the Lord yes comfort comfort the people of Israel for God shall repay Israel double for her sins I tell you behold Zion your God shall come to you repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand Oh, you religious people, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come. You say you have Abraham as your father. I say unto you that God is able to rise up from these very stones, children of Abraham. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Are you uncomfortable? Are you irritated? Are you convicted? Are you a little nervous? What kind of church is this? Welcome. Do, 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 do. John the Baptist. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to read. We're going to read about who Jesus said among those born of women, there's none greater than John. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From the... For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to this baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. 
And do not think to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to rise up children to Abraham from these very stones. And now the ax is laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, every good tree which does not produce good fruit is cut down. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse out the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it was anointed then, it was anointed now. It's a privilege to read your word. Lord, as we look at this man's life, among whom you said of everyone born, all the men of the earth, Elijah, Moses, Abraham, David, you said this man was greatest. Help us learn something about this man. Help us learn something about this man. Let us not just be challenged, but let us be changed. Amen. Amen. John was incredibly popular. His message, not so much. All of Jerusalem, all of Judea, the surrounding cities, they went out to see the Baptist. You have to understand the context here. 400 years of silence. God wasn't speaking. Silence, and all of a sudden across this dark canvas, there was a comet that blazed across the sky. If you know the context here, Caesar Augustus, there's all these people who are kings. Let's go ahead and read it. You know that boring part of this section of their Bible? Now, we're in a Matthew section, but let's, if I can, I love the Bible, and I love to get in trouble, so let's go to Luke. Let's just hop over to Luke. We're in a Matthew series, but I'm hopping over. Is that okay? Luke chapter 3, real quick. Now, the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, the brother Philip, tetrarch of Uteria, the region of Chechenitis and Licinius, tetrarch of Aveline. Try to say that fast. While Ananias and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. All these people are in charge. They're in charge of this. They're in charge of that. They have this pedigree and titles. God doesn't care about that. The word of God came to the man in the wilderness, in the desert. He doesn't care about our titles and positions. He doesn't care about our worldly kingdoms. 400 years of silence. But all of a sudden, there's a voice crying out. A voice. Where's the voice now? Where are the people now? People sit in darkness waiting for the voice to cry out. Notice this doesn't happen in Jerusalem. This didn't happen at the religious society where everyone was trained. It didn't happen amongst all the rabbis and all of the prophets. It happened in the wilderness. Someone was alone with God. Every move of God starts with you being alone with him. Everything starts with just being alone. Is God enough? God himself? Everything starts with being alone with God. And John was a voice in the wilderness crying. Now, 
Before You guys are all happy, clappy this morning. You love John. I guarantee you, you wouldn't love John. You wouldn't love John. John would irritate you. He would press on your areas of compromise. He would stretch you. This is what it would sound like if John came to the United States. John would get going, and this is the message of the crowd. I guarantee you, I've heard it for years. You're a legalist, John. You're pushing people away from Jesus, John. Imagine that, the forerunner. John, you need to show more love, love, love. Just tell the people how much God loves them, John. Stop judging everyone, John. You need to build a relationship with them first, John. You're being a stumbling block, John. He was insanely popular. See, we make the mistake of one or two extremes in ministry with the Lord. Loved or hated. It's both. It's both. Jesus says, woe to you if all men speak well of you. You should be loved and you should be hated. John was loved and John was hated. But yet in all of that popularity, all of the cities in Jerusalem are coming out. All of the cities are coming out to see John. And in the middle of his popularity, he starts talking about another. He starts talking about another. There's one coming who's greater than I. I'm not even worthy to take off his shoes. In that culture, that's like I'm not even worthy to be a slave in his house. He's preferred before me. I just baptize you with water. There's one coming. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. The humility of John. John, John, your disciples, they're going off to the Galilean. John, the crowds, they're leaving you, John. It's good that they go away. I rejoice when the bride goes to the bridegroom. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. I'm just a friend. I'm glad that they go to see him. The humility of John the Baptist. In humility, John received revelation. Humility prepares the way of the Lord. I was thinking about, uh, about pixels and illustrations of digital age, and I'm not very digital. I can barely get my emails to work, but I'm trying. But I was beginning to think about pixels, and we have pixels on the screen, and yes, that, that's basically what it looks like when Kyle tries to do computers. But these, these pixel, the, the problem with these pixels is guess what? They're too big. They're too increased. They need to decrease. And when these pixels decrease, you're able to see the image clearly. And in the same way, humility decreases us so that Christ may increase to the world. He must increase. I must decrease. This was the message of the Baptist. I'm baptizing in water. I'm cleansing for purification and for sins. But there's one coming whom the Holy Spirit will descend and remain. 
And he will baptize with Holy Spirit. Humility prepares the way of the Lord. But John was also a separated man. He's not in Jerusalem, is he? He's in isolation. He's separated from society. He doesn't walk in the world and all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. John is separated and isolated. He speaks of tools of separation. He says that Jesus, this Messiah who's coming, will have a winnowing fork in his hand. Now, we don't know what that means, but a winnowing fork was used on a windy day to separate the wheat from the chaff. You would throw and pitch up the wheat into the air so that the wind would go through it and separate the good from the bad, the husk from the kernel. And then you would use a fan and you would, blow, and you would beat it on the pile to separate. He's speaking about separation. And religious people hate separation. But learn the wisdom of the rabbis. Learn the wisdom of old. He created the light and the darkness. He separated the light from the darkness. He separated the sky from the water. He separated the land from the seas. But it's not about separation for the sake of separation. He separates before he fills. Remember, he separated the light from the darkness, but then he filled it with the sun, the moon, and the stars. He separated the sky from the water, and then he filled it with birds and fish. He separated the land from the sea, and then he fills it with animals and with people. He always separates before he fills. God is about separation. Jesus says, I've come to separate two from three. Three from two. Your enemies will be in your own household. I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. Separation. Wheat from tear. Righteous from wicked. Good from evil. Many of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You must be separated from the world. This was the ministry of John. He separated Israel. And then the religious people came like they always do. It's like they got nothing else to do. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came out. Are you the Christ? Are you the prophet? Why do you baptize? And I love his response. No. No. Who are you? I'm a voice in the wilderness crying. That's enough, folks. One voice from God is always enough. Thousands of years later, we're still talking about just one man with God. No pedigree, no titles, no miracles, just God. John the Baptist was the great proof and testimony that God is enough. How did John meet these religious people? Welcome, guys. Welcome, Reverend Bishop from Jerusalem. May you sit here, O prestigious elder of our fathers. Brood of vipers! He didn't just call them snakes. He called them a ball of mating snakes. A ball of mating nesting snakes. 
a deadly, disgusting, you would sell your house tomorrow if you found that in the garage. The religious heart hates separation. This man was sad. He didn't look like everybody else. He didn't talk like everybody else. He wore camel's hair. How many of you petted a camel? It's coarse and non-refined. He wore it inside out so the coarse part would be on the inside so it would constantly rub up against his skin so he would never forget that this world is not his home, that he doesn't belong here. Jesus says of John, those who wear nice clothes are in king's houses, but what did you go out to the desert to see? He spoke of a The man who discipled me, Johnny, he taught me that John the Baptist had a back like a crowbar. He was unyielding, uncompromising. Jesus says, what did you go out to the desert to see? A reed shaken by the wind? (laughs) No. John was uncompromising. And all the Jewish people, when they see John, every single one of them is saying and thinking the same thing. It's happened. God is coming. Because you remember the last verse of the Old Testament in Malachi. I will send you Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Every Jewish boy knows about this story. Every Passover, they have a chair waiting for Elijah. The door is unlocked that Elijah would join them for Passover. They're all waiting in anticipation for the day. And there comes one whose message is the same of Elijah, repent, who's wearing camel's hair. What did Elijah wear? Camel's hair. Elisha had one disciple, Elisha. Elijah had Elisha. He gave the camel's hair to Elisha. When Elisha died, the Jewish historian in the Talmud says that they put the camel's hair into the altar of the censer. When Zechariah, who was John the Baptist's father, went to throw incense to the Lord, the angel came and interrupted the whole process and told him about that he would have, his wife would bear a son. And Zechariah doesn't believe. And therefore, he's muted Maybe you're wondering why you can't evangelize. Maybe you're wondering why you can't speak. It's because you don't believe. The Bible says we believe, therefore we spoke. But that's another point. Is it possible that Zacharias took that camel's hair cloak and gave it to his son John? Now you're beginning to understand why Jesus says of John the Baptist, he is Elijah if you can understand it. Their message was the same, that of repentance. They both walked in humility, but they both were to prepare the way of the Lord. It just so happens that every single place that John is now baptizing people in water for the remission of sins was exactly where Elijah did his ministry. Every Jewish person is freaking out. They're all thinking about The scroll of Isaiah, we would know it as Isaiah 40. It says this in the 10th verse. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up and be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold the Lord shall come with a strong hand. Everyone is thinking that God is coming. 
This ministry of separation was to separate and prepare the way of the Lord. Separation prepares the way. And John went forth with a very simple one-word message. Repent. It wasn't God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It was stop it. Repent. You could sum it up with a stop sign. John came on the scene preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he was an equal opportunity judger. Didn't matter if you were high or low, rich or poor. In fact, it it ultimately cost John his life because he was such a man of integrity when he heard that Herod was sleeping with his brother's wife. Do you know what he did? He sent him a nice little email. I'm concerned for your soul, brother. Herod, stop sleeping with your brother's wife. Preaching like that will cost you your head, which it ultimately did. But then I began to think, what would John say if he was here now? Walking amongst us. You know, he, when he was on the earth, he said, hey, tax collectors, don't take more than you're supposed to. Speaking about extortion, taking advantage of poor people. We don't do that. If he was here, would he talk about the centurions and Romans? He told them, be content with your wages. That's a very courageous thing to say to the oppressors. Hey, be satisfied with how much money you have. Are you satisfied with how much money do you have? Are you content with your wages? Do you extort people to get for your own selfish ends? See, John in today's language begins to sound differently, but I know for a fact what John would say. The statistics tell me that 60% of the men who go to the church look at pornography on a weekly basis. Herod! Stop sleeping with your brother's wife. And then Herod, who's disturbed by this comment, he makes this foolish, idiotic mistake. He says that his, her, 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 the wife comes in and brings in a girl to dance for Herod. And Herod wants to trade up half of his kingdom for a girl to seductively dance in front of him. I wonder how many of the men in the room are trading their kingdom for a seductive dance. Herod! Stop sleeping with your brother's wife. This was the message. It's very simple. It's not complex, so everyone can understand. Stop. This was the message of John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, when he started his ministry, honored him. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus sent out his apostles to preach the gospel, it was very simple. He, pre- he sent them out and told them to preach repentance. He tells us in my name, repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached in all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Repentance is not part of the gospel. It is the gospel. Repent and believe. He says this, which is so important for us this morning. Bear fruit worthy of your repentance. High language. Your life should match your confession. That your, there should be fruit 
If you're rooted in Christ, there should be fruit. But John says the ax is being laid to the root if there's no fruit. Basically, if you've been living as a Christian for 15 years and you've never made a disciple, you've never led anybody to the Lord, you don't like to read your Bible, you don't give, you're not generous, and you don't volunteer, I got news for you. You're not. You're a dead tree, and the ax is being laid to the root. Bear fruit worthy of your repentance. Your life should exemplify exuberant, radiant, joyful, fruitful Christianity. That's the Bible talks about the new birth. If you're born again, everyone should know. Bear fruit worthy of your repentance. And so many of us find ourselves in the ministry of John, and it starts to get heavy. There spins that weight, that conviction. When we think about, our, are we humble? Are we separated from the world? Are we thoroughly living out a life of repentance? Have we turned from our sins? Or are we living in our sins? See, the ministry and message of John is very simple. Get right with God. And the Holy Spirit has been telling people for years to get right with him. People always come up to me and they go, I want God to speak to me. Well, I'm like, well, do you know his number one form of communication? And nine times out of ten they say no. God primarily speaks to our conscience. And John ministered to our conscience. Biblical Christianity is a description of a clean conscience before God. That you're clean and right. There's nothing you need to hide. You can have open relationship and clean hearts before God. That's the whole point of repentance is... There's a new start. And this is why John chose baptism. Because when we hear the law, when we hear the thunderings, we ask ourselves, well, is there any rain? Is there anything that's able to cleanse our hearts? I find myself guilty. I hear the thunder. I understand. But is there cleansing? And John said there was. In the middle of the crowd, he's dunking them by the thousands. The people are surrounded. They're all convicted. They all know that they're guilty. They all know that their consciences have been defiled, that God was so patient with them. And yet, John stops and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That it's the greatest summary of the gospel is that we find ourselves guilty and in need of a new start, a new cleansing. In comes the lamb who takes away. Would you stand with me? going to speak to the religious. 
Allow the Holy Spirit to have his ministry of separation in your life. Allow areas to be surrendered and yielded. Let humility be birthed again. Now I speak to the guilty. The other day my boys were playing out in the yard. And one of them messed up. They got all the, they're all interacting with a bunch of other boys. And one of them said, let's just do a do-over. You know, like when you're playing ball as a kid, a do-over. Start over. Let's, it doesn't count. Let's. And the Holy Spirit just tucked in my heart and began to say, hey, people need a new start. People think that they can't start again. But that's the power of the gospel. Is that you might find yourself guilty, but there's cleansing, there's a new start. But it's also a public testimony. You see, all of the ministry of John was public. Every baptism that John ever did was a public confession of sins. Now, we do a wonderful job celebrating, but we could do a little better as a church understanding that it's a public celebration, but also it is a public testimony that, hey, I was a sinner, but the Lamb of God takes away my sins. It's a confession that says, you know what? I, did, I, I didn't do it right. I didn't live my life right. I made my mistakes. I made my sins, and it's no one's fault but mine. But you told us that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And that he who was baptized have been buried into his death and raised into his life. So I say to the guilty, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I say to the unfruitful, Bear fruit worthy of repentance. And you say, how? Abide. If any man abide in me, he will bear much fruit, and his fruit will remain.